I'm Ryan, the other guy's Jordan, and this is Two Angles on Angling. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Two Angles on Angling. This is Jordan with my co-host. It's Ryan, guys. What's up? So, tell people another, where, we at, where we're at, buddy. Yeah, uh, a semi-somber note, I suppose, with the weather. Uh, we haven't, we, you know, we haven't gotten into the clear yet. We keep getting into these patches of, like, three days with wild winds or wild conditions. And it's messing everything up, uh, the system. So, going over my past week and my uh, semi fishing report, uh, Thursday I did manage to get out and uh, got to Oak Orchard and Johnson Creek. It was uh, it was lackluster. It's my it was my first time float fishing uh, this year. I was getting into the rhythm of things a bit, but the conditions were not not right at all. So. It is what it is. We saw some fish caught, and that was exciting. Uh, guy caught one on the fly at, on the one spot, and then you know another guy caught one on a night crawler. It was a, uh, it was cool seeing fish caught, but we we didn't we didn't get into anything. So learned my lesson, took down my notes. Uh, you know, I, I thought going into it with how it warmed up earlier in the week that all the snow melt and the little bit of rain and everything that the water was going to be high. I think I was a day off. I probably should have hit it up Wednesday because it probably would have been at a good level and it probably just dropped off too much over the those two days. But live and learn. And then the rest of my week was spent prepping for, I had a fishing flea market this past, or uh, yesterday, excuse me. And, and that was fun. I uh, had a table with Scott Gauld and we uh, had a bunch of our old tackle for sale and it's uh, it's amazing the amount of people who rush through there and how much good stuff you can get. If no one, if no one's heard of it, uh, they'll have it, it posted again for next year. It's an annual thing, uh, the Alexander Fire Hall in Alexander, New York. It's great, and uh, I'll have a booth there again next year. But it was it was very interesting, and I, I thought that this was going to happen, and that it is how it played out. Uh, you know, the Niagara Show. It's very Western, uh, very Western New York locally based. So a lot of my smallmouth products sold very well. Okay, well that should have been you know anticipated given that region. And then I figured in the week leading up, I'm like, okay, well this one's more Finger Lakes based. So why don't I really just focus on getting all my largemouth stuff out uh, and trying to sell that? So I didn't pour up any any heads or anything. I just got all my jigs and bladed jigs together to get them out. And they sold well. It was awesome. Uh, people were were loving a lot of the new products I'm working on. So it was a, a great time. Met a lot of cool people. And uh, yeah, got a lot of my the two angles on angling stickers out to people as well. Told people about the pod. Uh, and if no one listened to last week's episode who heard about the website, it is out now. Uh, JDOLureco.com. Very excited to have 
finally have it available to everybody. A lot of stuff is out of stock still. So I'm going to kind of switch gears on it for a bit, and I'm going to post a lot of the uh, jigs and inventory that I have had before I start uh, filling the new products still. Uh, I'll do some net heads and everything, but for the bass jigs, that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning for now. But going forward for the next week, I have really no idea what's uh, what's going to be in store. I'm hoping to get the boat out of storage at least and maybe get it on the water to test it one day, but weather's, not looking, yeah. <clears throat> weather's yeah. not looking too... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's not. I mean... so, I, it, but I do want to get it out um, because once it's out, you know, I can start doing all the maintenance and everything, getting it prepped, and then it's ready to hit the water, so... Yeah. But, yeah, man, how, how, how about your week? Uh, what, what did you have happen? Oh, it's a vulture. So, dude, when I, when I said, why don't you tell people where we're at, you just went on this long rant about your week and what I was really... Oh, I thought... I didn't I know you really meant location, about, I thought you meant circumstantially. Yeah. No, okay. but, it, but it bleeds... We're, I'm just busting your yeah. balls, bro. So, yeah... <laughs> I mean, I, I fished Monday, Tuesday, or no, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, and it was all right. You know, it was all, like a good time spent with great people, but the action was pretty slow. The bar was the the most productive area by far, and, you know, everybody kind of knows that, so that's where the bar is getting real crowded on the days uh, that you can fish it, but the river's still kind of slow. And uh, I'm optimistic, though. I mean, you know, we didn't really, most of the fish that we caught weren't chrome, but we did catch some chrome fish. Nice. So there's some fresh, you know, some fresh ones starting to move into the system as far as the uh, the steelhead goes. But, um, yeah, and then, now the reason why we're at, uh, we're at, um, Whirlpool National Park or Whirlpool State Park parking lot is because uh, I wanted to get a, a better sense of the water down here. And yeah, pretty much starting Friday, you could have gone out on Friday. Um, I mean, it was rainy and windy and shitty out, but dudes fished um, and they caught fish, you know. Um I opted to, to reschedule the trip instead of uh, having my clients endure that kind of pain. Yeah. But, I mean, I gave them an option, but I'll talk about that in a second. And then, I, uh, yeah, then Saturday, the watercolor was pretty much jacked, you know, because of the wind. I mean, we had pretty, going into Friday evening, uh, we've had nothing but 10-footers out on Lake Erie. So we had pristine watercolor, now it's jacked. And it's going to take days to clear. Um, you know, it's blowing right now. So we're in Whirlpool National Park or Whirlpool State Park parking lot. So I got the total downstream view. Um, it's supposed to, it's blowing hard now and it's going to blow through the night into tomorrow. So, you know, river clarity is probably not going to be there until like Thursday. Like, that's probably yeah. optimistic. However, the wind forecast for this upcoming week after tomorrow is pretty good. Like, there's nothing real crazy. So, what I'm thinking I'm going to end up doing is uh, going out to Ontario, probably Tuesday. I don't think there's a shot of, of fishing tomorrow. 
um, just given what the watercolor is here. And the waves are still going to be pretty big out in Ontario tomorrow, so I'm going to likely have to cancel that trip as yeah. well. But, it, you know, like thinking back on this, like, I, you know, so now, uh, bottom line, I think if you want to fish this upcoming week, all the trips are blown because of the amount of rain that we got Friday and Saturday. And then, like, for Friday and yesterday, we're, plus we were not only getting rain, but we were getting, like, snow, and it was just yeah. real nasty. Yeah. But I don't think anybody fished yesterday. I mean, I don't know why anybody would have. The water was brown, and it was yeah. it was just kind of nuts. But and all we but we got so much precipitation and so much wind that pretty much the entire system is is screwed. Like even if you want to walk creeks, I'm like I was looking at all the Erie tribs and the Ontario tribs, and they've crested, you know, so they're they're starting to come down. But uh, they're they can't. I I don't know which ones would even be fishable. Like probably by Tuesday, you might be able to get on some of the smaller stuff. I yeah. would guess. Um, so I might do that. I, I might do a once a year type of thing. And on Tuesday, go out. Because, dude, when the, the nice thing about a big push of water this time of year for the Ontario tribs is browns will move in. You know, and then the steelhead are going to run before long, too. I mean, but when there's a lot of flow, browns just come in the creeks to eat, man. Like, they, they'll be, dude, there's been days on Johnson where I've, completely hammered um you know in uh just barely stained water that's starting to come down like they're just you can find certain pools with a lot of brown trout in them and just you can have a really really good time and a lot of and sometimes there'll be giants in there i mean i've i've never caught anything you know like too much bigger than 10 pounds but there you can get a lot of them um so that might be that might occur but i think ontario time is going to occur and then beyond that um you know, I think the river will be fit it like in fishable shape by Thursday, color wise. And then beyond that, like there's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Again, it's too far. It's like, like, like yeah. I always say, it's too far out to rely on it. But if that forecast holds, you know, there's going to be some more rain. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm trying to get in the rhythm of not of only look like the next day or two. Yeah. Trying to just because especially lately with how, how things have been changing so quickly and so rapidly. Well, the, just, the, th you know, the, the thing is, I mean, so th that leads you me can't to like, plan too far ahead with that weather. Yeah. You know? Well, the, the, where I'm going with this is like, uh, and, I, and I wrote about this in my, like as an additional kind of uh, something to think about in my uh, weekly fishing report is, you know, I wonder if I take it too easy on my clients, you know, because there's, I, I like my kind of operating model is, uh, and just a prime example of it is dudes fished on Friday and they mm -hmm. caught fish, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it was like deplorable conditions. You're getting blown around all over the place. It's cold and it's raining. Like it's in the forties, low forties and raining. Like that's definitely not enjoyable to be in. I don't care what, what gear you're wearing. Like it, it's not going to, it's not going to feel good, you know, and if the catch rates are low, but if I was traveling, if I came here from out of town and this is the weather that I got and my guide was willing to fish through those conditions, I would fish in them. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, so from my perspective, like I always have a conversation with my clients and I say to them, look, this is what to expect. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like it's yeah. not going to feel awesome, but I got the gear and I'm happy to go out and endure it. If you want to catch some fish, like I'm not going to tell you that we're going to pound, 
but rarely are, is there a day that the Niagara doesn't at least produce a handful, you know? So if you want to go out and really challenge yourself, um, you know, and some people are like, hell no, man, like that's not, I don't want to spend my hard earned money enduring pain. You know, I get that other people are down for it, but all I can do is be transparent. I always give the client the choice. But I have colleagues and I'm not dissing them. Like I've been out with guides that are this way too, that they don't give you a choice. If it's safe, you're going. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the the pro behind operating that way is that you're going to get paid. Like you're not going to lose days. The con is the likelihood of those people rebooking you is probably kind of low because the the experience that they had just wasn't something that they look back on fondly. Mm -hmm. Now, however, they still could rebook, you know, like they could still like, oh man, like I wasn't anticipating that. Although we endured some craziness, like I can't imagine what it would feel like if it felt good, mm-hmm. you know, so that could get in their head too, you know, or it couldn't. So it's always a gamble to give a client a choice, right? Because what I'm gambling on is I want their first time to be the time that's worth remembering so much so that they're interested in rebooking during another time of year, like when we get off the water, you know, um, and not like have them have to think about it later on. Like I want to make sure that that person gets uh, what I what I consider a, a fair shot at catching a substantial number of fish without having to endure a significant amount of hardship. That to me is money worth invested, mm-hmm. like well worth invested. But that's my definition, you know. It's my definition yeah. of, of what that is. My point there is that there's numerous definitions of that term. None of them are wrong. But when I end up uh, ha- rescheduling a bunch of trips in a short period of time because we're, we have fishable conditions but painfully fishable mm-hmm. conditions – it's that's when it hurts. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't hurt when that, like I'm booked every single day because I got lots of clients that trust my transparency and whatever. So it's just something that, uh, that I struggle with, especially this time of year when we're in this uh, transition period, right. Where we're, we're starting, you know, like the fishing is going to get real good before long, but we're going to have some taxing conditions. And the thing is, is like, you can go out in those taxing conditions in April and May and pound, you know, but you got to be, you know, uh, rugged enough to be able to, to, yeah. to get out and do it. But, you know, so. No, yeah, yeah. The way uh, I, I like how you're explaining that. And it's almost like kind of how I, I, what I was thinking of as you were saying that is it's like your, your customer service, like that, that's how you're taking care of your clients and everything. It's like, individually unique to however you want to do it but like i i agree with how, how you have it set up because to give someone your like you said being transparent like give them all the facts of what's happening and then like you know if you're a hardcore angler you're gonna want to go still and if you're not you're not gonna want to go if you're gonna rebook you're gonna but if you can just have that perfect day of course right away like the guides that i've had that's how it's been and it's awesome and we keep getting them and keep getting them because it's, well, why wouldn't we, you know, they, they keep producing. And I guess that is kind of a gamble. Every time you, you go out, it could be one of those super shitty days and it's going to be the best day, you know, like it's raining all day, like not optimal and you could absolutely slay. Yeah. So it's always a gamble there, but 
Uh, Dude, I think having that transparency in the customer service side of things, like how I'm looking at it and just telling them like, same, you know, with anything that I sell as well, like just say, tell them everything about it and then let them like use that information to make the best choice, you know? Yeah, there's, there's times where <laughs> I've, uh, there's a juvenile bald eagle flying around down there, just landed on a tree. It's right across in, uh, the river from us. Anyway, oh, yeah. the, uh, there have been times where things have gotten like uh, the forecast was was you know bigish winds and conditions are going to be pretty wild. Um, maybe a, a little bit of rain in the mix too. And I've ha- I've told clients like this is what you, this is what we're going to expect. And that one right there. Sorry, I can't. I don't know oh, what you're pointing at, but right yeah. next to the pine tree. Yeah, there's a couple of well, there's a uh, there's vultures flying around down there too, or uh, buzzards flying around. Gotcha. But anyway, Sorry. the uh, yeah, I've given people the ch- the chance to to back out when we've been in like fringe conditions, and uh, they've been like, you know what, dude, let's go. Like yeah. so I, I've uh, one of my uh, clients who who books me a few times a year. His name's Chris. Um, great dude usually fish with uh him and a couple of his friends and uh last year we had one day in may where we were supposed to go and it was it was going to be pretty big on ontario and uh but they had never gone on uh, and like the year prior that we went out we had a real marginal session there was no wind there were a ton of boats the midges were like the chronomids were coming off like crazy. So we were just getting coated by bugs. It was just a, a crappy, yeah. a crappy day out there. And uh, so we ended up. So we ended up, um, you know, reschedule or, we, you know, we ended up having a marginal day. Right. Yeah. So then we, we go out the following year. We're scheduled last year. And it was supposed to be big wind and yep. rain, et cetera. And I'm like, boys, we can go out there like in the first few hours of daylight before it gets too big and some crazy, like I'm pretty confident that something crazy is going to happen. Like for sure. And when we went, we got out there, we just annihilated, you know, like, yeah. and it was chaos, but we only endured it for like four hours. And we came in there like, dude, that was sick. Yeah, uh, I, I think we. You, I remember sharing the story, that story on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's uh, you know, it's just, do you want to do it? Like that's yeah. that's why I think it's uh, there's always an option. Yeah. As a client to go, like if I say that it's safe, um, we're not going to fit. Like to me, it's like okay, like a day like today, for example. Mm-hmm. There's it's very windy, um, and the water is like maybe six inches of visibility. Like we can yeah. fish, but the chances of us, us catching something are extremely low. Now, <clears throat> let's say this is the middle of April and we have green water and there's going to be like two footers out on Lake Ontario and it's supposed to rain that day. Right. I would say, look, man, it ain't going to be pleasant, but we could go out there and destroy. And, uh, I, I promise you like the amount of, uh, pain that you're going to endure will be more than offset by the catch rate in fish and just the, ge- the just the general adventure of it. Um, and some people still won't like they won't be down. Yeah. Right. And that's fine too, man. Uh-huh. 100%. You know, because I don't want that person to walk away from it, like freaked out and be like, dude, yeah. I just paid for that. Yeah. You know, but 
that's uh, so I, that's why I, I just stopped uh, for transparency. I, I feel like that's the best way to go. And unfortunately, sometimes that screws me, you know, like I end up not making or getting the number of days that I want in a certain month. But in the end, um, it all kind of pays for itself. It mm -hmm. just, you know, I think if you provide good customer service, no matter what, like yep. even if you do decide to fish through, some guys could fish through a uh, cold, wet, rainy day with good and a windy day and tap dance and maintain high spirits the whole time and keep their clients entertained and, and uh, have them enjoy enduring hardship. You know, some guys can do that. Um, if I had like, but I don't, I would never want to try to sell somebody to endure that. Yeah. You know, like I can make, I can definitely pull that off when we're out there, but I don't want to sell somebody to do, to do something. Like I just want to, them to make an informed decision no, for sure. you know i'm, a, I'm always gonna do, uh be if because if somebody asks me are you would you go i'd be like hell yeah i would go <laughs> you know because I, I like like when i was just in alabama for example like what would you do man like the the, the tennessee valley authorities it's all flooded out you know there's freaking the water's kind of muddy and it's up in parking lots and i say to you dude I mean, I mean, you can see it like you're a guide and you fish. I mean, do you want to fish that? What would you say? I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And no, and no. Like, honestly, like you saying that when you describe those conditions, I'm like, man, no, like the chatterbait up in shallow water, probably. I don't know how deep yeah. you were fishing, but yeah, that probably shallow. murdered it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't. Like, pushes but, them shallow. But, no. but it's, but it, uh, it, no, it didn't. But we, I mean, we well, murdered we, it relatively for the conditions. Yeah. Like, you well, caught we, all your fish on yeah, it. Yeah, said, we, right? yeah, yeah. We caught, we caught fish, but it's not like we, de I definitely didn't, didn't get a good taste of okay, what yeah. that fishery is, right? Yeah. Murdered was a bad, um, bad, bad but, but like, uh, yeah, but that, that's, I think, you know, if given the option, when you have somebody that travels here, yeah. they're just going to be like, yeah, man, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, but if you have a local, somebody that's, that lives around here, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I could go, but dude, I live here, man. Yeah. Like when, the next time you have an open day, yeah. just hit me up. And so that's also sweet too, right? Cause if you take care of, of guys that live here and, and don't like, put the screws to them is like, Hey man, you committed to this day. Like we yeah. need to go out, like give them options to move around and they, they, they will always mm -hmm. take care of you and, and fill in spots. So I don't know, man, it's uh, I've just been, when I, cause I, I lost some trips this past week and, and it's, and we're starting to get into the point where like, I have no open days, you know, like literal, no open days on the calendar um, from Monday forward, Monday until June. Wow. And it's like, where am I going to, I got one open day for the Monday person that I'm going to reschedule. And after that, I'm, I'm completely full. So we're going to have to start having some hard conversations is, is all I'm saying. And, and everything is going to get, uh, is going to start getting good, you yeah. know, before long. It just sucks that we got hit with these, these three days of wind. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's time to start getting out in Ontario, getting back into wave you know trolling in big yep. stuff conditions yep. like get back into shape yep. it's it's time so a hundred percent anyway that's uh that's the report on the fishery um the getting deep side of things why don't you uh why don't you lead that off man 
All right, yeah, so uh, before the podcast, we were having a conversation about birds, as we often bring them up uh, throughout our different podcasts, and I was telling you about a lot of the experiences I had when I was out fishing uh, Thursday and seeing the osprey and then the swans, and then before that, down in PA, seeing the bald eagle, all that. For a vast majority of my life, I was deathly afraid of birds. No real knowledge as to why, but I just never, never was a fan. And probably in the last year and a half, two years, I've been very rapidly getting rid of that fear of birds. And I'm now to the point where I'm like just so curious about them that it's, it's not a... It's almost not an issue at all, and I found that very interesting because it's gone extremely hand-in-hand with fishing, and, you know, over, you know, when when was that? Probably in last springtime at some point when uh, you showed me that app that you were using to identify the bird, identify the bird calls, uh, once you kind of showed me that, it triggered something in my brain of like just being extremely curious about them. And I go on tons of different tangents and rabbit holes, like researching and trying to like find out a lot about different different uh, subjects. But th- this one is something that's almost always around that you can like observe and try and learn from and yeah. like, watch their behavior. Like right now, we're watching them and. We were, we were talking about earlier as well how it can be the windiest day and there's birds out chilling in it, absolutely loving it, just like doing their thing, floating around. Yeah. So to, and why are they doing that? Is, like to describe the, the landscape that yeah, we have going sure. on here. Like, so if you've never been to Whirlpool State Park, it's uh, the parking lot overlooks the uh the niagara gorge like the lower niagara river gorge so it's not we're not that far downstream from niagara falls yeah you know it's like a 200 foot plus deep cliff here and uh you know you can see all the layers of sedimentary rock because all this used to be you know 450 million years ago it was all under like different layers of the bottom of seas right that's most of the sedimentary rock here is either compressed mud or compressed coral you know, dolomites and limestones and sandstones, etc. But it's a it's a freaking gorgeous sight. But yeah. what we're also looking straight out at, because we're basically looking over the edge of a cliff, yeah. are birds. Yep. Mostly gulls, but a handful of buzzards and like an occasional bald eagle. And uh, we have a, a big west wind today. And what happens with that west wind is it kind of goes over this. It goes over the landscape uh, in general, but then. When it hits this, uh, the cliff here, when it hits the gorge, it goes down inside of it and just kind of spins around and creates all kinds of interesting, uh, interesting air currents. And the birds just hang out in here and fly over it, you know. And uh, like you and I were talking about this earlier, like why are they doing that? Like yeah. they're not feeding. They're way up. They're way, way off the water. They're just coasting right now. And, you know, what I was mentioning is, is like, ibis, like the ibis yeah. birds, they fly into hurricanes. Like, why are they doing that? 
you know, and I, I'm, I, dude, I, I just think they're out there having fun, man. Like, I just, I just think that's what they're doing. I think if we could do that, we totally would. Um, yeah, yeah, man. You know, I, I agree with that. And uh, what, what I was going to elaborate on earlier, and we saved it for this, is it's like we are now in a position where with cameras and everything, we've all seen pretty much whether, like, regardless of having seen it in person wild feats of nature that we didn't think happened and animals doing behaviors that we didn't think that they did and almost every animal like plays in some way or another and this is just like with the birds how i look at it as well it's like this is like they're having fun right now this is just them blowing off steam or something you know like yeah it's, a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, yeah. It's definitely not an, a mystery to me why birding has taken off the way that it has in this country. You know, I, I don't know if or how many times I've talked about my fascination with birds on this uh, this podcast, but if I have, I don't care. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Like, the my first, I'll, like, when I was a kid, I used to be really into birds. Um, like I used to know all, I still do like know all their names and like birds like have captivated me ever since I was as far back as I can remember. I would memorize their calls and which birds were which, and I had a bird book and, uh, uh, like the, I'll never forget, like, cause I, you know, I grew up seeing the traditional robins and the ones that I noticed were usually robins and like sparrows and cardinals and blue jays mm -hmm. right but so th there's like the typical summer birds around here um but i i for one spring i saw the cedar like a pair of cedar wax wings and it was just like i can totally picture that we had these rhododendron in our front front yard i was maybe eight or nine years old and these two cedar wax wings were sitting in that rhododendron bush and i just saw them like we locked eyes for a second and they flew away and I was like, oh, those birds are so cool. And they, they, they're basically like a, a little bit smaller than a cardinal. And they're um, they're like a, a greenish, like olive drab color with pink beaks. They're, oh, wow. they're, they're a cool bird. They're but like you go to Michigan. They're all over the place in Michigan. But they're, they're, they and you could go to certain places around here and there's a bunch of them, but they don't stick around here for very long. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like they've, they've uh, birds. I've always been fascinated by them. But then I, I, I didn't, I was never like into birding. I just, yeah. I've always paid attention to them. I've always thought they were cool when I saw them, but it's kind of like, uh, in fly fishing, for example, like, um, a lot of fly anglers fancy themselves as, uh, entomologists, right? Like no one knowing bugs yeah. and some people would be like, uh, they're like down to knowing the Latin names of all these bugs and being able to distinct. And I've never found that useful. Like, but I, I, but I do recognize like, you know, the difference, like I, I know what a midge is. And like, so you want to have something that's the right size and profile to match a midge. If I see a midge hatching, I want to have something that matches that. I know what a caddis is, right? So I want to have something that matches the general profile and color pattern of that caddis. Okay. Most places, it's just the profile, right? A mayfly, I know what that is. So I just want a general... You, you have really only a handful of different kind of families of bugs. Stoneflies, mayflies, midges, caddisflies. Um, that, and then you, you go into damselflies and cicadas and shit like that. But 
you, as long as you have stuff, like you know what is in the nature around you, what they're likely to feed on, and you can identify it, you're good. That's, that I was the, the same way about birds. Like I, I don't care about the, I've never really cared about the names of them. I've just cared, I've more paid attention to the niche that they're occupying, mm, right? Okay. Like what their role is um, in, the, in the system that's around you, you know? And until I had a client introduce me to that Merlin bird idea and that like changed my perspective yeah. on shit. You know, um, cause like, think about this now, like I, I, I hit you up the other day about this. Like, are you starting to notice different songs in the morning? Mm -hmm. Because yeah, dude, like last year was the first year that I ever really paid attention to it because the, one of my clients introduced me to this thing and it's just insane. <laughs> it's insane the number of uh of birds that are around here that will be here yeah in like the next couple of weeks i mean spring is the first day of spring is this week you know yeah like this uh, upcoming tomorrow. week yeah Isn't it? 20th um so you know it's uh they're gonna start showing up yeah and uh i i i you know we i don't know how much i was preaching about this back in last year but i'm just gonna be a reminder for this year start paying attention to what you're hearing in the morning because uh it's going to be wild like in the next few weeks it's just going to get louder and louder and louder and by the time we get into like late april early may it's going to be super loud and you're going to be blown away by the number of birds that are here and then you're going to be wondering like and the thing is too about that time of year that makes it all the more like weird is that by early may what's the difference in the landscape now? Like what we're looking at now, what is going to be the biggest difference? So describe to people what we're seeing in front of us. Right, right now, now uh, there are a few select trees that are completely void of leaves. There's a little bit of snow on the bank across the way. Right. And well, almost no grass in this area. That's uh green, a lot of brown dead grass, a little, a little greenery, I suppose over there, but very brown and mute colors. Not a, not a lot happening. Right now, what what and, and, and some uh, some clouds as well. Not and like three to four setting. weeks from now, what's what 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 should this look like then? What do you the think? The beginning of, of lushness, I would, yeah. I would believe. I mean, a lot of the so I'm kind of on that one tree over there, but I mean, back home in NT, a lot of the trees are have buds on them already. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and I've noticed that, and even that day in. I think it was January. We had like a stretch where it was super sunny and bright for like two, three days. There were some buds forming then already on like a few of the trees I noticed. Hmm. So I don't know if it's just a, something with as soon as you have that like few stretches of days, some will start forming. I'm not sure. Yeah, I haven't yeah. ever looked into that at all. But uh, yeah, it, and I'm, I'm glad you posed it like that because yeah, that's not that long and there's going to be a drastic change yeah not, and, and so th what's what's crazy though is so not only will everything have gr be green and have buds on them and stuff or like leaves but when those birds show up like it you can't really see them in the yeah, trees yeah right? they're hidden yeah because and, and that's what's so maddening about it man yeah. because like uh all of a sudden <clears throat> you're just gonna hear this insanity yeah but you can't actually 
see what's generating it, like a really high percentage of that's the time. That's true. That's true. Um, you, you know, and that's just kind of a wild thing to think about, yeah. man. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it's it's super wild. And a lot of these uh, these ducks that are around too, they're not going to be here anymore. But there's going to be different types of birds starting to show up. Um, terns will start showing up before long. Like common terns and Caspian terns are going to start showing up. We're going to start seeing huge flocks of cormorants show up. Um, and then a lot of the ducks, like there's gonna, there's a crossover period in the middle of April where there's just a massive amount of waterfowl life here. Um, and then towards the end of April, a lot of that waterfowl will be gone and uh, it'll be replaced by a ridiculous number of songbirds, mostly bug eaters. And they'll just come here and be nesting, but just... You know, so get ready for it. And if, you know, I don't get, we don't get sponsored by Merlin or Cornell, no. you know, ornithology labs. Um, I would just tell you to download that app, man, and pay for the North American trip, uh, chip, and it will endlessly captivate you like every morning. Just step outside with a, a cup of tea and a cup of coffee or whatever and turn that thing on and listen to it. I don't care where you live. If yeah. you like, if you like, I mean, I live in the freaking, the city of Tonawanda, man. Like, it's, all the houses are right next to each other. I mean, sure, there's trees around, too, but, but your neighborhood, I guarantee you, has got trees. And even if you live in a dense urban area, you're going to start hearing house wrens. You're going to start uh, getting a bunch of different types of sparrows and finches. Like, there's there, robins, too. There's uh, cities. There's just a whole different uh, group of birds that, are super comfortable about being around people and uh, other groups of birds are more comfortable in further spread out settings and others don't want to be around people at all. You know, and you don't have to change your setting all that much to find them. So I want to bounce this off of you to get your view on it. Cause it's a phenomenon that I've noticed and I don't know if you have any knowledge on it. So I was walking at Grantwick the other day. And usually around this time, every year, usually a few weeks from now, more so, I notice on the on the trail there, on the biking trail, the path, that there's an insane amount of uh, crawfish remnants. Well, this time I was walking, and there was a few full live crawfish on the trail, which I've never noticed that before, and I was wondering why are there all these seagulls here and why are there a lot like living crawfish like still moving around up here yeah man that they haven't gotten and i'm like what is happening so i have no idea like what was up with that um is it something like it was super and it's always been on super sunny days that i see like the mass amount of all of them are they like baking them on the like in the sun for some reason like what that's like the one goals, of the you mean yeah that was one of the first things that came to mind is like are they picking them up they're all hunting throwing them there to like i don't know that's the only thing i could i i was really thinking of because i thought that was such an odd behavior to see like what are they getting out of uh, that you know dude i don't here's <laughs> here's what uh i think is true okay well what, what, what i know is true is that Crayfish, at some, like they do hibernate and bury themselves, um, especially like down, they do this down south. I don't know 
how like what if how much they bury themselves here like they definitely get deep underneath rocks in the winter time mm-hmm. right um and and go into like hibernation they're not moving around all that much um when the water starts getting to the mid to upper 50s is when they'll really start moving around um i think like the water's still 37 degrees yeah um which now i'm, I'm just trying to think through this with you here if some crayfish bury themselves, what I'm wondering if they crawl out of the water and bury themselves in mud, like on land, um, oh, like wow. like okay. in the because uh, crabs do that, dude. Like, there's definitely crabs on beaches. Like, go to any beach and walk down the road or walk down the beach, and you'll see these holes of crabs that came out of the ocean and just burrowed a fucking tunnel down into a cool area like crayfish don't need to be underwater like when they're kept in bait shops they're usually not like a lot of times people will just keep them on pee you know and when they're when they're raised in bogs they just need to be moist um you know and so though like lots of crabs just dig holes in tunnels so maybe those crayfish came out of the water at night and buried into the land and the the water the, the land is now starting to heat up and they come out of the grass and uh, or the the like the more muddy bank yeah, they come out yeah. of that and the gulls are grabbing them what you what you saw on the ground was something that just probably came out of the bank and is starting to try to get its way mm. back into the water i mean that's okay i, I don't i i just know the crayfish you know down south definitely bury themselves in mud um, they probably do so here. The ones that live in like the creeks, like the Oak okay. Orchard or, yeah. uh, like if you go and flip rocks in Johnson right now, there aren't going to be crayfish underneath them. But if you do that in like, or let's say that, that, I'll give you a, a better example where there's a huge crayfish population. If you were to go to the cat mm-hmm. and flip rocks in the cat, you're not going to right now, you're not going to find any crayfish underneath them. If you do that, in like a month and a half, there's going to be a lot of crayfish underneath them. Where'd they come from? You know, like they're buried down in the sand somewhere. Um, and maybe, cause I've noticed this phenomenon too. And I, I have a hard time believing that gulls are diving down and grabbing crayfish out of the water and bringing them up on land. That's, okay. Like That's I, I just like, they it would have to be in super shallow stuff yeah um maybe herons uh but there's no herons here right now man like there's a handful of herons uh blue like just a handful of herons Mm. live uh here in the winter time and the reason why is because it's it starts to get slim pickings for them man like their fish uh like small bait fish aren't gonna hug the shoreline and little bugs and shit that that uh, are frogs or whatever Mm -hmm. Like there just isn't the forage for a heron right now, you know, cause what's, where's their niche? They're hanging out in the edge of, of the water where uh, things are kind of grassy. There's a little bit of cover there and the water is the warmest. And so certain creatures move and live in that stuff. They prefer the warm water. They prefer the cover. Largemouth basses are yeah. an example of that small bait fish, um, crayfish, etc. So that's where they live. You know, and they, they're going to grab stuff out of that niche. Well, that niche isn't here right now. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the conditions don't lend itself to that. So, I think, um, I don't see gulls, like, I don't, you know, I'm not doubting that a gull yeah. will, like, could hang out on some rocks and see 
a crayfish start popping out and shoot down and get it. Mm -hmm. But that's just, you know, that'd be really precise for a gull. Um, I could see cormorants doing that, but again, like cormorants aren't really here right now. Um, so mm. I don't know. I think, uh, I'll have to maybe start venturing there more and see what, what's actually unfolding and see if, uh, yeah, I think because it's in a-, a few weeks, man, like I've taken photos before and I think I showed you last year, like any 20 yard stretch, like I picked up like a handful yeah. of shells and they were all different colors and it was, yeah, like, I totally remember that. Yeah. I, I, I actually saw this as well when I was at uh, uh, not I think it was Sheridan okay um, there were a bunch of crayfish claws yeah um, and I'm like okay where did the, these come from where else did I see or I saw them at uh, Griffin maybe yes yeah yeah at Griffin too so I don't know dude it's, uh, I've noticed the same thing and I just have a hard time believing that gulls are plucking crayfish out of rocks. Um, I, but, but the other thing is, is that I was, the way I was looking at it is it was a stretch of days when I was there, it was after a stretch of days where we've had intense sunshine. Yeah. So that's why I that, think it's far more likely that they were buried in the they they dug burrows into the bank, and they're crawling out trying to make their way back to the river. Okay, because the now now the ground is heated up to such a point where they feel like they can come out. Yeah, but could it also have warmed up that initial you know from the rock walls in yeah. enough where it's like a you know a foot and a half or less of water to where it's just there might be a swarm of them in there, and then it would be easier for a seagull to just pick them out because if there's a mass amount of them. Yeah, that, that's that's entirely possible. Yeah. That uh, right on the and the edge of the water, yeah, the edge of the bank there, there the uh, like in that first couple of feet off mm-hmm. of the bank, that that warms up enough such that crayfish are coming out of the rocks in that zone. I think that's uh, that's possible too. Um, I think I think not possible. I think it's likely that the that they're definitely coming out of that. But the reason why you have live ones way up on the bank is because like that, I, I think there's some, yeah some burrowing taking place hmm. there too. You know, think about it this way, like depending on the bank, right? Like what's different about the Gratwick bank, like this is all like, like kind of just trying to break things down from a scientific method type of perspective. Like if you think about the bank on Gratwick, it's really gravelly. There's riprap there. But there's a lot of, uh, because it's uh, on the edge of an oxbow. So that's where, like, that whole shoreline in that zone is highly sedimented. Um, there's, just because it's on the outside of a bend. So that's where... Well, and also, if you, if, you're, if you didn't know, the, most of that, almost that whole shoreline is extended there, and it's all landfill. Yeah. That was filled in. Yeah, I mean, it used to be a ferry landing at one point, if I'm not mistaken. So Yeah, I remember us talking about that. There's a lot of... Uh, really loose substrate there, um, you know, which would allow crayfish to burrow in it. Um, and it it provides a great hibernation environment for them. Whereas on the opposite side of the river from there, the current's ripping and it's all rocks. Um, you know, so uh, I don't know, but, but 
in general, though, like, so here, here's the thing, like, as interesting as it would be to figure out the answer to that question, <laughs> the reality is, is like, uh, all you need to know is that when things start feeling warmer, that thing starts happening. You know, like, uh, you, you I think if you're, if the more that you pay attention to what's happening around you, like trying to understand why is is interesting i guess but it, it's like look what it's all linked to a system that's uh, that is incredibly influenced by the amount of sunlight that we get and uh because the amount of sunlight that we get dictates how warm we get dictates what things can actually live and some things migrate into the area to take advantage of that while it's going on and then they leave when it's not capable or when they when it's not producing enough for them other things like these gulls we're looking at right now know how to stay alive in it all the time yeah you know it doesn't matter what the conditions are they live through it same thing with chickadees and cardinals and blue jays you like think about uh like the jays and the crows like they're super smart creatures, right? So they're, they're, they're still around here. It's like, yeah, I could migrate a huge distance or I could just figure out how to, how to live, um, live locally and, and work things out with these humans. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know where we're at. Well, we got, um, we got some time. Yeah, we do. Uh, what was I going to segue into there? Um, I guess the general point in this getting deep section, because again, people, if you listen to, to our podcast on a regular, like some of my clients that listen to this, ask me this, like, how do you guys even know, how do you guys know what you're going to talk about? And what I know, what we're the only thing that we know we're going to talk about is the fishing that we did last week and what we think we're going to be able to do in this upcoming week. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing we know for sure we're going to talk about. But even as we were driving to this location today, we had no like no clue what we were going to get deep about. So, Up until we parked the car, yeah, right? Yeah, we was, didn't know. Yeah. We just it just emerges naturally, yeah. which is uh, you know why what I think the uh, the kind of beauty of, of our conversations are is it's oh, not, yeah. we're, we're not trying to pre plan or structure anything in general. In general, yeah, yeah. But uh, the point I was going to make a after. You said, you know, noticing that and being aware of it. As soon as I saw that, I texted my dad and I said, the fishing is going to heat up rapidly. Like, because to me, I saw it. Okay, well, these, the, excuse me, crawfish are being active. Okay, well, bass eat, eat the crawfish. Everything eats them. So it's going to, you know, things are going to heat up very quickly here. All the songbirds, or all, well, I don't know the birds. Sorry, I shouldn't, shouldn't say it like that. But a lot of the birds coming back. Um, I don't know how many, like, I don't, you've talked about it. I don't know. I know they come in waves. I don't yeah. know uh, the percentage yet that's back, but even with that alone, um, that is another great sign of spring. The sun, if you have been out in the sun at all, when it is out, it is intense. It is unlike it has been in a very long while. It's, uh, we're getting into a great position here. Uh, yeah. Things are going to start heating up and it's like noticing all of those different signs, you know? It just puts the puzzle together, and it's like, all right, we're we're on the cusp. Yeah, of it. if you think about what's about to happen, as everything's starting to warm up, and we're very, like, I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, is that people should be conscious of the fact, conscious of how this influences us too. Like, 
we're at the very beginning now of a whatever like what's going to be generally longer days and more and more sun mm -hmm. and that triggers something in every creature that's here right and so like we just talked about a bunch of things are going to get here and what i'm telling you is that when when you wake up in the morning and step outside and, and you can actually do it not having to wear a ton of clothes and it's super loud what i'm telling you is that fishing is is on fire okay like <laughs> when and, and you think about nature the reason why all that loudness and activity is occurring like the 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 sound of the birds is just an auditory clue of a much larger crazy event that's happening which is like mammals are generally giving birth to kids you know birds are giving birth like there's a lot of birth yeah. happening trees are starting to give stuff off mm -hmm. and uh the fish are doing the same thing like they're all getting ready or about to or or are in the process of doing the same thing you know so that's when when things are birthing that's when everything is the most or getting ready to birth that's when everything is the most vulnerable right that's when things get concentrated because think about what's going on like an entire winter worth of not being able to feed very well. Now nature is, is producing things. Yeah. So we got to eat while we can. It's yeah. like the feast and famine yeah, mentality. Bounty. We, we gotta, we gotta take advantage of it while we can, yeah. especially because we're growing another life too. Um, in a lot of instances. So you need, you need to boost up the calories. Um, that's when things get vulnerable. Things start eating with reckless abandon. Things start concentrating in different ways. Um, you know, so it's, that's about to happen. You know, we're just on the doorstep of it. That's yeah. why I'm, I, I, I guess I can try to stay optimistic when uh, we get dealt blows like this, where yeah. we, you know, we had some, a good stretch of days and then we're going to have to work through it for, for mm -hmm. a little while. So. Yeah. All right. Well, good pod brother. Yeah, man. We'll As see always. you guys next week. Uh, have a great one. See you. If you want top quality jigs and jig heads, look no further than JDO Lure Co. I offer a variety of jigs. If you love smallmouth, then the Ned Rig heads and swim bait heads are for you. Pair them with your favorite soft plastic and get ready to catch fish. If you love largemouth, I also produce top notch quality skip and flipping jigs, wire tied, and with a custom bait keeper made with premium gamagatsu hooks powder coat finish to ensure durability and each jig made by myself by hand check out my lures on instagram at jdo lure co at jd underscore outdoors 1773 you can also catch my stuff in action on my youtube channel jd outdoors